in church, we all believe that he's got all authority in heaven, but we're not quite so sure if Jesus has got authority on earth. And so all authority means all authority. Now, I'm here to tell you, that is a bold statement from Jesus of Nazareth, isn't it? He's saying all authority in the heavenlies and in the earthly realm is whose? It's mine. God has authority over everything. It's written in the Bible, but how often do we really consider what that covers? Everything that happens in the world, in politics, in the church, in our homes, all of it. We wonder why, then, horrible things happen. Today, Pastor Daniel will guide us in coming to terms with the why and encourage us to be comforted knowing that he truly is in control. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 16 with his continuing study entitled, All Called Out. Doubting says, this is not okay. God is not in control. How can these things be happening? Or worship says, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. The idea of Worship, it, it comes from a contraction of worship. When you worship God, you're saying, God, you are worthy of my praise. You know what's amazing about doubting? When somebody is in the process of doubting, especially when they're verbalizing it, you'll never hear the word God or Jesus unless it's in an expletive form. Because you can't doubt God when you're in the process of worshiping him. Because worship in the glory and the majesty of who God is, when you're worshiping God, you realize, man, this problem is not a problem for God. I don't understand how this is going to work, but God, if he can forgive me of my sins and he can keep the whole universe working pretty well most of the time, then this problem that I have, as big as it is and as real as it is for me, is really nothing for the almighty God. So we either worship or we doubt. And I'm here to tell you, that's a choice that we make. Now, I'm not going to stand up here. And I mean, the unfortunate part of being on a stage is that it feels like I'm in a different place than you all. Listen, I'm living in the same world you guys are living in. I struggle sometimes to keep my eyes on the Lord. I struggle sometimes when I look at circumstances. I don't know if I like them. I don't know how many control over them. And I look at them and I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. But God... But I struggle to keep my eyes above the wave tops and onto the Lord. And I know that you guys do as well. But you read this, Jesus is alive. He's real. They're seeing him. They're, some of them are worshiping him. Some of them are like, oh, man, I'm just not really so sure about this whole thing. I mean, he was crucified. And yeah, he's here right now. But what if he doesn't stay forever? And what's going to happen? Brothers and sisters, if you're doubting today, I'm here to tell you, just start worshiping. Just start worshiping. Say, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but you do. And you know what? It's never been about me anyway. 
See, we need to get our eyes off of the what ifs, and we gotta, gotta put our eyes on the I am. And I'm, I'm with you with this. It's like, this is not like me being like, yeah, I got this all dialed in. Just, no, listen, I'm learning this every single day too. But instead of doubting, worship God. Instead of doubting, say, God, I'm taking my eyes off this stuff. I'm putting it on you. And Lord, I know you got this under control. And there are so many good reasons to doubt, isn't there? I'm always amazed when, especially you talk with people and you walk, walk through life with people, the reasons people are doubt are, they're real. Like you put all this information together and you filter it through a certain grid and you get problems. Right? And everyone is fully convinced in their own mind. I am too. In my own areas of doubt, I'm like, it's fully convinced. I get it. But every time someone goes through the whole list of reasons why everything is wrong, you never once say, well, listen, God's in control. Because you know what happens when you say God's in control in the middle of it? You can't doubt anymore. You say, Lord, like the children of Israel, if we go into Babylon as exiles, you're going to bring us back because your word told us so. You end up like Jeremiah was like, listen, the Babylonians are coming. You got to go with them. This is God's will. How could it be God's will? Because well, he told us. So listen, if you're here, to, and I, I guarantee all of us have areas of doubt in our life. If I start giving to the work of the Lord, how am I going to pay my bills? If I start serving on Saturdays, how am I going to get my lawn fixed? If I start X that God has asked me to, how is Y going to happen? Right? And you know what you find when you actually step out with the Lord? And you just say, Lord, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to step out with you. You know what happens? God starts taking care of everything. I got this great letter from somebody. They, weren't, they didn't sign it. They were like, yeah, I, you know, Pastor Dan, you were talking about either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. And we were in a tough financial situation. We just started giving to the Lord. I figured, yeah, you know, it's, you're right. Either he says what he means, he means what he says, or he doesn't. You know, and, and it was awesome because in this letter, this gal, who I don't know even know who she is because it's just first name, don't know who. You know who you are, though. Stepped down, started giving to the Lord. And she's like, man, you'll never believe it. God worked everything out. I got a better job. I got a rent that's lower. We're in a better financial place than we were before we started giving. She's like, I just wanted to let you know that it's, Jesus is real in my life and in my family. But you know when you learn those things? When you step out. That's the only time you learn it. You can't learn it otherwise. And for so many of us, not just the financial end. I mean, for so many of us, God is stirring our hearts, but we doubt. God, can God really use me? Can this really work? You know, I made so many mistakes, Lord. Listen, when you step out with the Lord and you worship him, you say, Lord, I'm just going to step out. God starts to move. He starts to move. And so instead of doubting, brothers and sisters, let's worship him. And worship isn't only when there's a band playing. I mean, worship music is, is a good aid to worship, but you don't need music to worship the Lord. Worship is simply making much of God in your heart and living out the reality that he is worthy. See, God is worthy of worship because we don't even need his gifts for God to be worthy of praise. God is worthy of praise because he's God. 
And in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So I, I just believe for so many of us, there's so many good reasons to doubt. But there's one thing that cures doubting, and that's worship. And we want to be people who worship the Lord with our lifestyles. Everything about our life is an act of worship. We worship with singing, and we worship with serving. We worship with giving, and we worship with smiling and hugging and forgiving. And every area, our jobs are acts of worship. Our yard work is an act of worship. Everything we do unto the praise and the glory of God. We love our spouses and our kids as acts of worship, as unto the good and true and living God. If you're doubting today, why don't you trade in that doubting for a little worship? To say, God, I'm going to, every time I start to fret and worry, I'm just going to start to praise you. You know, I do that with my kids. Because, you know, my, you know, they're kids, right? They're like little adults. They bicker. It's an amazing thing. You put them in the car, they can fight about anything, right? And so you know what we make our kids do? We make them say three nice things to each other, right? It's so funny because it's like, it's so cute because as I say things like, I like the way your eyes sparkle. <laughs> like adults, we need to say that more to one another. I like the way your eyes sparkle, you know? Or they say, I like the way God made you. So sweet, you know? I like the way God made you. It's like, well, if you did, you wouldn't be bickering with one another. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there, you know? It's... So we're saying, instead of bickering, say nice things to each other. And you know what happens after they are bickering and then you make them say three or five or nine nice things to each other? They're not bickering anymore. They're actually friends again because they've gone, they've rehearsed all the reasons that they actually like their sister or their brother. And you know what? When we're doubting, sometimes we need to just start praising God and thanking him for all the things he has given us. Saying, Lord, look, I'm here today still. Thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for your provision. Lord, I've been freaking out about lots of things for a long time, Lord, and none of those things actually have taken place. And the things that actually did take place, you actually worked together for good, and I'm actually grateful that they took place because you taught me through them. See, we need to substitute worship for doubting. And I believe that's for some of us in here today. Now, look at what happens in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Now, this is called the Great Commission. Right? This is Jesus' mission for the church. It begins with all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus begins, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So, okay, so we start. All authority means what? All authority. You guys are good. All authority means all authority. No, you know why I say that? Because when Jesus says all authority has been given to me, not only in heaven, but on earth, I think by and large in church, we all believe that he's got all authority in heaven, but we're not quite so sure if Jesus has got authority on earth. And so all authority means all authority. Now, I'm here to tell you, that is a bold statement from Jesus of Nazareth, isn't it? He's saying all authority in the heavenlies and in the earthly realm is whose? It's mine. How many of you guys remember the movie Braveheart? Yeah, all the guys are like, yeah, William Wallace, freedom. That's right. I love the guy from Ireland, right? It's my island. You guys remember that guy? He was cool, right? 
it's mine, he says. And everyone thinks he's totally nuts. And he is kind of nuts, but it's kind of like his island, you know? Jesus is saying, look, it's all the authority is mine. Now, if you believe in Jesus and he's got all authority, then guess what? You are hooked up. I hope you realize that, right? Like, if you believe in Jesus and you are part of his family and he's got all authority in heaven and earth, then you are hooked up. Talk about a trust fund kid. I mean, this is awesome. Awesome. Now, if all authority has been given to Jesus, if it's all his, then I think we need to talk about what all authority actually means. And I'm going to quote a long quote from uh, John Piper. And I'm quoting this because, I mean, God bless John Piper. I can't even imagine how he sat down and wrote all this out, but he did. And I'm just going to read this to you because this is like, he really got into like some, with some specific detail, all the alls. So I'm going to read it, and you'll, you'll see why I'm quoting him, because I would never have taken the time or the energy to write all this down. So check this out. All authority. This is John Piper's quote. He says this. He has authority over Satan and all demons, over the angels, good and evil, over the natural universe, natural objects and laws and forces, stars, galaxies, planets, meteorites, authority over all weather systems, winds, rains, lightning, thunder, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, typhoons, cyclones. Authority over all their effects, tidal waves, floods, fires, authority over all molecular and atomic reality, atoms, electrons, protons, neutrons, undiscovered subatomic particles, quantum physics, genetic structures, DNA, chromosomes, authority over all plants and animals, great and small, whales and redwoods, giant squid and giant oaks, all fish, all wild beasts, all invisible animals and plants, bacteria, viruses, parasites, germs. Authority over the parts and functions of the human body, every beat of the heart, every breath of the diaphragm, every electrical jump across a million synapses in the brain. Authority over all nations and governments, congresses and legislators and presidents and kings and premiers and courts. Authority over all armies and weapons and bombs and terrorists. Authority over all industry and business and finance and currency. Authority over all entertainment and amusement and leisure and media, over all education and research and science and discovery. Authority over all crime and violence, over all families and neighborhoods and over the church and over every soul and every moment of every life that has ever been or ever will be lived. Now, you got to be a little OCD to write all that out, I think. <laughs> but I'm grateful he did. Because you know what? Jesus does have all authority over all these things and a lot of things he failed to mention as well. This is why Jesus is the centerpiece of the human race. This is why. Because he has authority over all of it. Now, I know someone's going to say, okay, well, if Jesus has authority, then why did this happen to me? And I'm here to tell you, I don't know. But you should ask him. And I don't mean that in a, 
obnoxious way. I mean that in a very real way. Because what you find in the Bible, like things like Romans 8.28, where that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, when things go wrong, I never want someone to quote me that verse. But what I have found in my life is that when you bring your brokenness to Jesus and say, I don't understand, Jesus begins to reveal what he is doing to you. And then the areas of your greatest pain become the context for the most glorious opportunities to worship him. Because he has authority. He is in control over all of these things. And it's interesting, before we can talk about the work of the church, Jesus reminds him that he has authority over it all. That nothing will ever happen to you or me in the cause of the gospel that Jesus does not reign over. And that frees us up, doesn't it? That frees us up from thinking that happenstance or someone else's bad decisions can thwart the work of the Almighty God. Now look at the work that we get here. And it really, it's verses 19 and the beginning of verse 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, I once heard a, a Bible interpreter say, you want to learn about God, follow the verbs. Why? Because God is in action. He is in action. Does that make sense? He's not an action. He is in action. And so in this great commission here, you have these four verbs. You have the word go. You have the word make disciples. You have the word baptizing, and then you have the word teaching. Now, if you were to pull out your Greek New Testament, and I know all of you guys roll to church that way, you would find that one verb is the imperative, and there are three subordinate clauses or participles. So I know all of you who studied uh, English language, if you remember being hooked on phonics back in the day, one thing is the main point, and then there are three things that undergird the main point. Now, which one is the main point here? Most of us would say go, right? Because you guys know the first thing in the sentence is always the main point, but that's not the way Greek works, so sorry. <laughs> hey, man, we all make mistakes. That's why we believe in Jesus, right? You know what the imperative is in here? It's make disciples. So what this teaches is that we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. Make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. This is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ, that we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. Now, as you break these four ideas down, you realize that the reason I come back to this every single month of my own life is if I'm not careful, when was the last time you said, the goal of my life is to make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching? Anybody? No. That's right. All of us need that to be the driving principle of our lives, each one of us individually and us collectively as a church. This is Jesus' mission for us, that we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. That's what we do. That's what he told us to do. So the driving principle, the imperative is that we make disciples, right? So what is a disciple? 
A disciple is a learner or a follower of Jesus. Our job, your job and my job, and all of God's people's job is to connect people with Jesus. That's our job. We connect people with Jesus. We do not want to connect people to us or to even our church. We want to connect them with Jesus. And what I believe is that each one of you is connected to Jesus and we get to follow Jesus together. That's what a local church is. It's people who collectively are connected to Jesus who are all walking together, learning how to follow Jesus together. We need to be making disciples. Now, you realize that if we lose sight of making disciples, then we can make a whole lot of other things really, really important. Right? That's what mission creep is. If we lose sight of our only job is to connect people with Jesus, then we start to say, if it's not about that, then it's about me getting the things that I want. Now, you guys realize that in every church, not everybody gets what they want, right? Nobody gets everything that they want. And I'm the, I'm the lead pastor. I don't get everything that I want. I sit in meetings. We discuss things. And be like, oh, no, they're right. Even though I want this other thing, that's not right. It won't help maximize us making disciples. So making disciples is the driving. We need to connect people with Jesus. And that's what we do. Now, discipleship happens first with a decision. That's why, and I want to thank you once again, for those of you who are here at Crosses all the time, we always give an opportunity for people to commit their lives and make a decision for Jesus. Now, I realize if you've been born again for any length of time, that adds an extra five minutes before you can go get your coffee or go get your lunch. And I realize that. But nobody can become a disciple unless they make a decision to be a follower of Jesus. And we don't want to make the mistake ever of not giving somebody an opportunity to do that. So I want to thank you for the five, ten minute grace period that you give so that God can birth new life. And I also want to thank you for being prayerful in that time that God would do what he wants to do. Because it takes a whole church to birth new life by the Spirit. It, takes a whole, it doesn't take a pastor. Jesus draws people. But we all join that together. So thank you. And if, listen, if you're here, you've never made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to do that today. And you need to make that decision because nobody ever becomes a follower of Jesus without first saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. It begins with a decision. And then it's a lifetime process of following. So we are a disciple-making organization or an organism. Our job is to make disciples. And not only us as a church, but each one of us individually. How are you doing making disciples? How are you doing connecting people to Jesus through your own life? How are you doing saying, look, I'm following Jesus. Why don't you come follow Jesus alongside me? Because we all know what, it, what it's like when you watch people start to connect with Jesus through your life. How fulfilling that is, isn't it? You start realizing, not only am I taking, helping them in the here and now, but I'm making eternal impact on somebody's life. That's a powerful reality. We make disciples. Now, we do it by going. We do it by going. Now, you know what the beauty of going is? Is that we're all always going, aren't we? Everywhere you go, there you are. Jesus is 
Today, Pastor Daniel helped us to refocus our priorities so we could consider whether the driving force of our lives is to live for Him in ministry to others and in praise of the Father. When we're bogged down with worry, we should praise, substituting doubt with worship. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Now be sure and tune in next time when we'll be instructed not to focus on being political action groups instead of a church or in changing opinions rather than making disciples. Pastor Daniel will remind us to not limit our vision for going out and making disciples. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Jesus is Real Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless. Thank you.